the ways we speak with our families, establish what they kind of view as like their norm. And if we have those those conversations about equity and diversity in a positive way, those like our families and friends in our circles, they like internalize advocacy as part of like their place in this world. This is the M Squared podcast featuring author Miranda Mathis. You will hear tips, tricks, and inspiration that will help you raise and educate little ones who are happy, safe, and kind. Enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome back to season two of the M Squared Books podcast. I'm Sarah, the producer, and joining me as always is the fabulous Miranda Mathis. And today we're also joined by a special guest, Dr. Denise Furlong. Hi, Denise. So nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you so much for having me. Great to see you. Um, so Denise, let us um, let us know who you are and just like a, a quick snippet of who you are so people know who's with us. So I am an educator of uh, 25 years. I spent the majority of my career teaching in public schools in New Jersey. And I recently um, added a, an assistant professor, full-time pr- assistant professor position at Georgian Court University in central New Jersey. I'm also an author, and um, I do keynote speaking engagements as well. So, very cool. Wonderful. Well, Denise, it is such a pleasure to have you, and it's good to see you again. Um, we got acquainted at the author's event at Asbury Cooperative Bookstore, and it is such a delight to have you on our season two Inscrutable podcast. I, I'm happy to have you. So with that being said, what are some things that many people may miss or don't understand about multi-learning, multilingual learning? or learners? Yeah, so my one book really had to do with kind of um, bridging the gap between what perhaps people don't know about this group of people and maybe kind of starting those conversations. So like I said, I've worked in schools for more years than I want to admit, right? And I'm also a parent. And in these roles, I interact with community members and I find myself having a lot of these types of conversations. And I really appreciate any opportunity to kind of talk about what we can kind of better reflect on to understand the needs of these learners. So uh, formerly in New Jersey, we would call these English learners or English language learners. We're, you know, in New Jersey and across the country, people are now kind of moving towards calling them multilingual learners as a way to kind of acknowledge like their assets and knowing more than one language. I have had students that, you know, for whom English is like their fourth or fifth language. And how incredible is that? So wonderful. Yeah. And and I know people always kind of like make remarks about like how, you know, labels and names for groups of people change like so often. But I really think it's a mindset shift. And we have to change our perspectives about like the stage of life that these students and these people are in. And if we use that positive language that promotes like asset-based perspectives, um, it kind of changes the way we look at life and language and literacy and learning, you know, and 
We also want to establish that being multilingual or bilingual is something great and, and it can be a goal for everyone. I agree. How do you recommend people begin to better understand or advocate for multilingual learners in their community? Oh, there's so many ways. <laughs> um, first, if you want to get involved in something at the local level, like um, I just recently joined my my local education committee as a citizen. Shout out to Howell. And um, some people, you know, join local government or the parent teacher organizations like all those are a great start. And in these roles, we can talk about those small shifts that can turn into big changes. Um, with families, with our families, we can attend like local festivals, local events that highlight different cultures. And, and it's a great way to kind of engage with your community and also show your family and your neighbors and your friends, you know, different ways that, you know, we have things in common, you know, um, Asbury, Howell, Freehold, mm -hmm. you know, we have Hispanic festivals, we have Russian Orthodox church fairs, we have Lunar New Year events. There's so much more. So um, I find that on like lo local social media, which could be so stressful sometimes, I know now, but there are great places to really find out about these types of events to kind of engage with other communities in positive ways. Um, and one other way is to kind of become a learner yourself. You mm -hmm. could learn another language, you know, whether you take a class or I still do Duolingo every day and or or something like that. And and or even just make it a point to keep up on world events. So as community members, as educators, as readers, that's really a great way to kind of like broaden our own world views as well. You know, our world is so diverse and we have to teach our children to embrace diversity, embrace differences. So what can you tell parents to do as far as teaching their kids about diversity and encouraging them to embrace it? So I'm a firm believer that advocacy starts at the dinner table. Mm. <laughs> the ways yes. we speak with our families establish mm. what they kind of view as like their norm. Mm -hmm. And if we have those those conversations about equity and diversity in a positive way, those like our families and friends in our circles, they like internalize advocacy as part of like their place in this world. Um, also, like uh, parents and teachers, adults, aunts, godparents, uh, read diverse books together. And, and also donate them to the schools. So not only do these books spark conversations about understanding perspectives that could be different than our own, but it's also important for us to see ourselves in literature. And I find all the time that people might be surprised that you might be thinking that you're picking up a book that might be, you know, that, that window, you know, that that book that you're not going to see yourself in, um, it, but you really do. You see yourself, even though characters and events don't, you know, appear to to be similar to your experience. Um, and last thing, like just model learning and being curious and being respectful about others who are different than we are, and let's yes. all be learners throughout our lives. 
Yes. Do you have any insight on how teachers can also foster diversity in a classroom environment that is welcoming, first of all, and helpful to my multilingual learners? So all these things we talked about, like in the community, teachers can do this too. Um, show that we value differences and that we are all learners. Embrace yes. mistakes as part of learning, especially as students are learning like language and, and literacy, celebrate mm -hmm. languages and cultures outside of special months because we all know we love Hispanic Heritage Month. We love Black History Month. We at Asian American Pacific, we love those months, but they can't be the only time that we're embracing exactly, this culture. Yeah. Um, yes. Take a genuine interest in all your students and like find joy. Find joy in all this. And you know what? Children, what they see adults do, they will mirror. So tell me something. You talked about being an author. So can you tell us a bit about your book called Laces? Yes. So I have a copy here. And... It's called Voices of Newcomers, and I wrote it locally while I was still a public school teacher in uh, Freehold. And a lot of the interviews and quotes and things like that came from like different places in New Jersey with my friends who are teachers and my students and their students and things like that. So I like to say it's part ethnographic study, like where we're kind of getting people's voices and it's part how to how to amplify those voices, how to provide connections and, and access in the classroom. So, um, yeah, no, it was definitely my baby. And then... Um, Show it again. Show the book up. Yeah, the book up so... Real so quick. Okay. Yeah. And then yeah. Um, from there, uh, I was teaching in one of the university classes, and we were talking about mirrors, windows, sliding doors, in literature. And um, I spoke to my friend, Sarah, and we realized that like her children are uh, Chinese American, and they both have severe allergies. And I said to her, do your kids have any books where they could see themselves? And she said, no. So we wrote one. <laughs> and yeah, that's it. And so this is written by two teachers and the illustrator. Isn't it gorgeous? Yeah, so um, really proud of of what we're doing, and thank you so much for letting me share it. You're welcome. I'm so glad you were able to come on and share all this. I know um, we like to end our podcasts with a couple bite-sized pieces of information that, you know, everyone's busy. What can we do this week to... Um, help um, help our kids understand or uh, as parents or teachers how can we help them understand um, multilingual learners a little more and advocate for them so what are just a couple of things they can do this week well read some diverse books number one number two you know and, e and even at the library number two I always like to look at my facts so if I have in my community, like, uh, you know, people who are from Ukraine, well, I'd like to kind of share that with the kids, too. Did you know that you know, every day that this happens and, and it's kind of like just a fun way to engage children in learning more about like kind of, you know, our 
three square miles around the house. So things like that. Also, just kind of following those world events, you know, mm-hmm. and and kind of having those conversations about, you know, um, just what's going on. And, you know, in the world around us and um, practice languages. Nothing builds more empathy for language learners than going through it ourselves. Oh, that is so true. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely true. (laughs) It's hard. (laughs) Yes. So finally, we just want to know a little bit more about, I know you told us about your books. Um, we want to know more about your passion, your business, your mission. So please share that with us and how people can reach out to you um, if they want to and how they can get your books. So the books are available Amazon and Barnes & Noble and places like that. Um, we really have been kind of uh, having these great conversations that you know, are taking us all, I think, out of our comfort zone. And that's the whole thing is that, um, you know, stepping outside of what is comfortable is where we're we're all going to learn. So um, I have a consulting business where I work with like local school districts and I do keynote speaking and things like that to talk about different ways to um, engage with these learners and to support their teachers. Because Teachers, parents, community members, we all need to kind of like support one another and being vulnerable and and learning from each other. So, and I can give you the links for the books and um, for my website. We'll add those to the show notes. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. I thank you so much, uh, Dr. Furlong. It was incredible. And um, I appreciate you being a guest on Inscript Books podcast. Appreciate it very much. Thank, Thank you. you so much. And we will run into each other again soon. I am sure of it. <laughs> yes. All right. Thank you, ladies. Thank Have a you. great rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you, Sarah. Bye. Thank you. See you soon. All <laughs> right. You will. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> listening. Head over to msquarebooks.com where you can find all the latest books and hear about upcoming events like live readings. See you next time.